0: You're listening to Having a Chat, the show where we take interesting people with interesting tastes in music and talk to them about the music that they love. I'm Alex Spears, and this week on the show, we are chatting with The Go Go's bassist, Kathy Valentine. The Go Go's are perhaps the most successful and influential all female rock and roll band of all time. And Kathy has a new memoir out detailing her time in the Go Go's, in addition to a wide range of other musical projects, as well as detailing her own personal coming of age story. So we're very excited to have her with us to chat about some music. This is Having the Chat. Uh, there we go. And uh, Kathy Valentine, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us.
1: I'm really glad to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. So part of the reason why we're talking is because of your book. the The, the first thing that I want to sort of explore, because I want I want to come back to it at the end, is your your upbringing and your family life. Y- you describe it in great detail, and it's and it seems. Uh, you know, at least to someone like myself, rather unorthodox. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I guess just for those who are listening, who have not read the book, could you give us maybe just sort of a a little bit of a primer and just sort of, you know, what your relationship with your mother was like and what your life was like, sort of coming of age, growing up in Austin, Texas.
1: Yeah. And briefly, I just want to let people know that, you know, the, the book goes, it's a memoir, a slice of life. It goes from, uh, two decades basically. And the Go-Go's part is kind of right in the middle of it. It's part of the story. But I set out to write a literary memoir and not from the point of view like, oh, I'm a big celebrity and everybody's going to be interested in me, but more about like a human story. And I think the context of where I came from and how I grew up and how I was raised really kind of sets up an understanding with my readers, like why the Go-Go's success in finding that band was so profoundly important to me and why losing it was so devastating. And and, um, I've had so many of my readers say, it's that stuff before and after the band that they found really resonated with them. But basically I did have a very unconventional uh, uh, family life. It was just me and my mom. My mom was single. She was very young. Uh, my dad was not a part of my life by his choice, and um, it was it was very painful having my dad not really want me in his life. And it wasn't like there was nothing, you know. There would be letters. There was a few. There's a few visits here and there. But it it was you know from the time I was four years old, it felt like my dad just didn't want me in his life. And my mom was a full time student, working a full time job, and she just had a kind of a philosophy of like you know it was her job to love me i always felt loved it was her job to make sure we had somewhere to live and food on the table but everything else was pretty much left for me to figure out and you know i basically raised myself my i'm kind of wired into feeling like it's my job to take care of myself and in some ways that's good you know it's kind of good to like always be thinking on your feet, like, okay, what, what do I need to do now? How do I, how do I take care of myself? That's kind of not a bad way to exist in the world. But on the other hand, you know, it can make you really like kind of, I don't know, self-preserving is not right. always the most, you know, I don't know that maybe the most emotionally healthy way to right. exist in the world too. So, yeah, I was feral, you right. know, just to, if I had to sum it up in a word, I was feral. I turned to drugs and alcohol very young. I was very promiscuous. Um, my mom allowed anything and everything. Um, she was way more concerned. And again, the context is so important here. It was such a different era. The seventies, were they came right on the heels of the free love and the expand your mind and the authority, the establishment is bad. And so the 70s were very kind of debauched and yet innocent in a way right. uh, that, that the 80s weren't. So that's another reason my, my time span of the book in the 70s and 80s is almost like this time capsule of what it was like to grow up in those eras.
0: Yeah, And you're absolutely right. Like the, the, the book really does provide a landscape of your life that led to the Go-Go's. I mean, it, it really, it, it it gives us like a real glimpse into your mind, which allow which gives us, as you say, like the context to understand why that was so important. Um, and something with that, that I'm interested in is, I mean, you know, it seems like your mom was rather socially conscious. Um, you know, you, t- you talk about her attending protests and things like that. Did that sort of philosophy shape you at all in in the sense that it made you feel like you as a woman could really go in and and you know be a big player in what was largely a man's world but that world being rock and roll
1: well it's kind of funny because I wrote that my mom always acted and still to this day she's still alive acts like the rules don't apply to her and I don't know what kind of what makes a person that way i think a lot of us might know somebody a little bit like that but she just seemed to act like like nothing applied to her and in a weird way that filtered down into me into like sure why shouldn't i be successful why why shouldn't i be able to be you know a a famous rock star why shouldn't i be able to be the president if that's what i want it's like the rules kind of she took it to be a lot more flaky. I'm, a, I think I'm a bit more of a responsible. Um, of course, sobriety helps with that too. But I, I kind of went out into the world thinking, why not? Why, why shouldn't I be able to do that? And, and I was a, a product of, you know, my mom. She was, she was reckless. But to me, from a little child's point of view, from a, a young girl, uh, it seemed to me like she was fearless. You know what yeah. I mean? It wasn't like I was like. My mom's irresponsible and reckless. She just seemed fearless. I mean, there, there was a man that broke into our house, and my mom was like standing there with an iron ready to like smash his it, face. It. And she was the swinging book. it yeah. with a cord. I mean, it's like she, in, in so many ways, you know, I don't know what it is. Sometimes we just take uh, not good circumstances, and some people kind of turn they make lemonade out of lemons you know yeah. and i think i got a lot of my good qualities and the the things that weren't so good uh, sobriety and maturity has helped me overcome
0: Yeah. And then the other thing, you know, that you describe a lot is your musical evolution. It's not sort of, there isn't that one moment. It's almost like there, you know, you you were shaped by blues musicians in Austin. And then, you know, you were introduced to the Sex Pistols and Elvis Costello when you were in the UK. Like there there seems to be such, so much there. Um, But the one that seems to be particularly impactful was the first time you saw and heard Susie Quattro. And you describe it as an earthquake. Um so I was hoping you might uh might be able to take us back to that moment for you and uh, and the impact that it had on you.
1: Yeah, what's interesting is that, you know, I was a, a little rock and roller from from about the time, you know, I, I grew up on AM radio and, and kind of bubblegum pop. And as soon as I her cream. I write about that. Like it just kind of shifted because music, you know, for everybody, music elicits responses. It gets us in touch with our feelings. It helps us sometimes not feel things. It soothes us. You know, music was a, a, just as a compelling part of my evolution as it is for anybody's and that was something I really wanted to include in the book because I think a lot of women that are musicians that doesn't get a lot of talk about you know Mm. like what music is for us and um, so by the time I'm you know I pick up a guitar my favorite bands are like the Faces and T-Rex and Bowie and the Stones and Led Zeppelin and uh, you know just they're all guys basically Mm. they're all guys so I'm learning a guitar, I love rock and roll, and yet it never occurs to me that I can be in a band. And I think it's so interesting, and I've, I've realized it's because there was no visibility of other women doing that. Right. Nowadays, we have YouTube, and we have the internet, and mm-hmm. you can find that there was women starting bands, there was women having big bands, you know, in the in the 30s and 40s, and, and women have been involved in music you know, since, since, since it all started, but I didn't have that visibility. So I never put it together. The lucky thing for me is that my mom is English and we went to England and Susie Quattro was a big star. She had hit records and she, uh, In England, Europe and Australia, you know, everyone knew who Susie Quattro was and we didn't know about her in America until she got a a role on a TV show. But I saw her on television and it was the first time I'd seen a woman playing an instrument, shag haircut, looking just like anybody else in the bands that I loved. And it was just like it was an earthquake it was like the ground opened and i was like i'm falling in this you know this is what i'm gonna do now and it was life-changing one of the coolest things about writing this book is that i've gotten a chance with my interviews and writing it to acknowledge that debt because i think when i was younger i didn't really put i wasn't like oh susie Quattro." it's like you just kind of are in your moment so much when you're young and and i don't know if i ever in my career Gave a, a enough recognition to her, and now I, I get to do that, and we've become friends, and it's pretty awesome. <laughs>
0: To take it back to sort of the the earlier bands that you were interested in, you, when when you, you, you there's this line in the book that I loved. It really stood out for me where you say we were girls playing in a band, but playing songs that guys had written about girls, and that that to me was was so interesting. But obviously, none of that would have happened without Susie Quattro. At least that was kind of my my take on it
1: well yeah i mean i still like the the same music it just all all i did was was like i'm gonna be in a band and then because that's who my favorite bands were you know we my first band we just started you know we we were from texas and my first band was a trio so we modeled ourselves on zz top and we weren't writing a lot of songs like a lot of musicians some of my first bands were learning songs that other bands had, had done so yeah i thought that was really funny um when I noticed that so many things you, when you're writing it, it just falls out on the page. You're like, Oh, I never realized that. <laughs> yeah. My first songs were like, you know, Carol, a uh, little queenie, uh, uh, ZZ top, uh, Francine. Yeah. That was pretty funny.
0: Yeah. So um, another, another band that was heavily influenced by Susie Quattro is the runaways. And you described seeing them for the first time and, and, and how you were sort of going back and forth between like, admiration and then like jealousy. Well, can you tell us about that particular moment for you and that, and how that sort of further pushed your perception that being in a rock and roll band was something that you could do?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, when I when I left England to, to start playing, I, I, there was still no girl. I had to like twist my friend's arm to be in a band. And I thought I was the only teenage girl. I know when I walked in to buy my first electric guitar, you know, I was the first teenage girl that had walked into that store wanting to buy a Stratocaster. Uh, so I felt like I was the only one. And I, when I was about 16, the runaways came through town and I was really excited. Like, Oh my God, there are more, there's more, uh, but at the same time, they seemed so farther along. So when I say right. I was jealous or, or it wasn't so much like, like a, a green jealousy. It was like, how did they get to this point? They're already right. touring and make, and I can't even find, I have to like twist my girlfriend's arm to play the drums, you know, and they've not only found each other, but they have, are making records, they're going on tour. So it wasn't jealousy of them, more about how they were already doing what I had right. set my sights on.
0: Yeah, and 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 I want to take it back to something that you said about just visibility and and how important that is. Um, and, and with that, I, you know, I think that visibility of women in rock and roll music, playing in bands, is something that's so important. But it's not something that I can necessarily speak to personally. So I reached out to um, some friends of mine who play in rock and roll bands. One of whom is Kylie Miller from The Beaches, and the other one is Deanna Petkoff. And I was really keen to know from them. You know what what questions they would ask, Um, because you know they Kylie was you know heavily influenced by you and your and your work with the Go Go's. Um, And one of the things that she asked is, how has the role of women in music changed uh, since your time in uh, in the Go Go's?
1: Well, what I've noticed is that there's a lot more women that are just kick-ass musicians. And it's, it can be, I mean, I, there's just so many amazing women musicians. It's unbelievable. I mean, you can even go on YouTube and just put, you know, type in women, girls, whatever, that play guitar. And you will just see this endless, like, stream of girls shredding in their bedroom, you know, just like, like just like shredding. And but what I still don't see a lot, and, and most like most artists, I mean, everyone from Lenny Kravitz to Pink to, um, you know, Beyonce have women in their bands. So right. it's not like so I think that's a huge change is how many women are working musicians and choosing that as as a as a career path.
0: Right. But
1: I still don't see as many uh, doing like the go Go's or like the beaches do like where we mm-hmm. we want to be in a band with people like us, you right. know. We want to be with, you know, have this kind of sisterhood. And and I I still don't see that many women choosing to work with other women and start all female bands.
0: Right.
1: You know, and I and I'm not sure why that is, you know, and it's such a numbers game. I mean, it it takes hundreds of bands to find the one that has the songs, the timing, the chemistry, the 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 resonance with an audience, hundreds before one will rise to the top. So if you only have for the hundreds of of guys doing that, a much smaller percentage of females doing it, it would follow, and it does follow that you just don't see the females rising to the levels of the bands that have these long sustained careers like Foo Fighters or Green Mm -hmm. Day or you know U two or the Stones. You know, it's just there's so many guy bands that rise to the top and stay there and have these sustained careers. And you don't see it that much with female bands. So yeah. that's another reason I love the beaches is because they decided to do it, you know, with, with the, their peers. Mm-hmm. And they've chosen this and it, they really remind me of how I was when I was their age. They really right. do. And that, that's one of the reasons I feel like I'm vicariously, vicariously living my, um, my 20s again yeah, when I see them. I
0: Another um, musician, another Toronto-based musician that I reached out to is my friend Deanna Petkoff. Who, when I was when I was growing up in high school, her band Pins and Needles—they were this all-girl band. They're fantastic, and they were really one of a kind in the city. Um, so you know, a- and now she's got this fantastic solo project. So it seemed right that I reach out to her for some uh, for some input as well. Um, and I think the the main thing that she was keen to hear from you is. The way she phrased it is, "What is the thing you're most proud of when people tell you you've influenced them?"
1: Well, um, it it took a while uh, to really start hearing from from uh, females, women, and bands, but I know that I've I've now met or talked to or have befriended. A lot of like Veruca Salt, Kathleen Hanna from Bikini Kill, Courtney Love has said. So hearing from these that in our wake in the '90s when they were young girls seeing the Go Go's on MTV or coming to a concert when they were 12 or 13 and having it kind of just blow do for them what seeing Susie Quattro did for me that makes me really proud and happy. But also I have to say. I've heard just as much from people that aren't musicians and and male and female that have said that our music and, and the, the, there was something about the Go-Go's that represented possibility, right. whether from circumstances that felt oppressive or, or um, painful, we represented the possibility of what could come out, you know, how you could get past that and come out of it. And or just lead different kind of lives than what was expected. You know, right. in 1981, you know, most girls were either going to college or getting, going into the workforce uh, or, you know, looking for relationships. You know, there weren't that many in 1981 that were on the road in a band trying to break a record.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's just, to go back on something that you you touched on a little bit, you you, you talked about sort of non musicians um, talking about you know the way your music impacted them, but in, in the book you describe how your the ma- your male musician counterparts were like your biggest supporters, your biggest allies, but the the the, the grief that you would get was from non musicians, from you know like record executives, and and you know and and you you don't necessarily draw a thread between the two but even when you sent your dad a note asking for a for money for a guitar he said like no like women don't do that um so why why do you think it is that that within the music community the camaraderie was so much stronger between you and actual musicians versus everybody else
1: well I think an artist you know can always uh, you know like finds like and when when uh somebody that's passionate about you know playing guitar or passionate about music finds somebody else that's like-minded you recognize it so i think you know a lot of the male musicians you know they they it was clear that that we were the same you know whereas the the gatekeepers the radio programmers the 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 record company executives that just i mean it was crazy the the go-go's we're selling out clubs all over Los Angeles and could go to San Francisco. We, we could sell out clubs. And if it was a, a male band doing that, they'd be looking at them as, as, as a potential. That's how it was in L.A. Right, if you had right. a solid following, the record companies would start sniffing around. And yet the Go-Go's had this incredible fanatical following. When I joined the band, You know we had eight sold out not eight shows that were sold out at the whiskey a go-go there was like a handful of bands that could do that and yet the record company people were saying oh no there's never been any successful female bands never we're not signing you guys so it was really short-sighted and i think sexist
0: yeah and 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 it's interesting because the, the way i read it in the book was that they were basically saying like there's no precedent for this like there is no fe- like all female band that has done this so why would we take this risk and something that i find interesting you the Go Go's set that precedent you you said okay we can be this band that goes in gets a number one album multi-platinum you know huge stars but with within that, no one has come along and done that since. No band like the Go Go's has achieved that same level of success. Why do you think that is?
1: Um, you know, I really think it comes down to the songs. I, I've seen a lot of great female bands, and then I really dive into the catalog, and I'm like, you know, good. A good song is a good song, but a hit song is a hit. You know, right. and. You know, and then you can even get more narrow and a hit song can be just like for that time. Like right. I think we can all think of songs that were huge in this one year, but you put it on, you, you listen to it three years, five years, ten years later. And you're right. like, eh, you know, but it's kind of incredible. The Go-Go's catalog, it's not the hugest catalog uh, of hits, but we have a handful of songs that just they it really transcends now decades. Yeah. and. I see, I see teenagers, I see, you know, my daughter's a dancer, I've seen her do dance competitions where Go-Go's music is used, I've seen children, like, you know, singing into a hairbrush, because it's just, there's something about the song, so I really think, you know, I I think there's been some really cool kick-ass bands, but, uh, that are female, but I, there's not a lot of hits, so that's the, the thing that, kind of the missing ingredient, you know, is is you need you need the hits. And I think you have to write a lot of songs to to get to that point, you know, and it's uh, there's like for for me, I have to write like 10 songs that are all good. But to write a really good one, you have to kind of do it. I think it's like the numbers. Yeah, it is. And you hear about like people that want to be, you know, script writer, you know, write movies. And exactly. I've heard, like, oh, I had to write 50 scripts before I wrote a good one, yeah. you
0: know? Yeah, and, and the, the timeless quality of it is, is something that's so fascinating to me. I mean, like, the first time I heard the Go-Go's music was in um, a Hillary Duff movie uh, back when I was a kid that my cousins made me watch, and I always say they made me watch it, but I really liked it, um, yeah. the Cinderella story. And, uh, you know, so I, I remember singing along to it as a kid, So you're, you're so right. Like there really is something to be said for that sort of timeless quality where it just doesn't, it doesn't really ever get old. It it, it always just kind of is what it is. Yeah.
1: It's it's just, it's just, there's just certain kinds of, you know, and that's what the go-go's have more, you know, people always talk about the salacious parts of our story. Oh, they did drugs. Oh, they partied. You know, oh, their egos and their, they got mad at each other and they broke up it's like you know big deal that happens in every family that happens in every band mm-hmm. um, it's like the the really remarkable thing about the go-gos is these songs that's yeah. what's that's what needs to be acknowledged. Can you hear-
0: Yeah, fair enough. Well, and, and so I'm, I'm interested in exploring kind of your development as a songwriter. Um, you know, so many bands leading up to the Go-Go's and so many bands since the Go-Go's. Um, So, and, and one of the things that I enjoyed reading in the book is your evolution. And, and there's a particular moment where you get to LA and you didn't have an ID, but your friend who you went to LA with did. So you felt lonely and isolated. And that seems like a real turning point for you in your songwriting. What, I mean, I I guess, can you sort of tell us a little bit more about that and and sort of how that shaped your writing?
1: Yeah. And when I first picked up guitar, my goal was to be the best. I mean, my goal was not, I wasn't focused on songwriting. My goal was to be the best female guitarist that ever lived that was what i wanted when i first picked up a guitar and in my mind you had to play like jimmy page or eric clapton or jeff beck to make it you know so that was my goal but i also wanted to start playing in a band too so it was all about like you got to practice and practice and you got to just be in bands for a long time and then success comes but punk rock changed that all of a sudden with punk rock i'm like oh you know, <laughs> it's like I'm loving the Ramones and the Pistols and all these bands that you don't have to play like that. All you have to do is have good songs yeah. and and be in a cool band. And that seemed a little bit like that. Maybe that could happen sooner, you right. know, and that made me really excited. It kind of brought the goal sooner. And so that was when punk rock is when I started thinking about writing songs. But then again, it, my focus was still about finding a cool band. You know, because there were so many good songs. If you could just find a cool band, there was lots of songs. My very first band uh, that was cool, um, we did all cover songs. We wrote a few songs, but they were bad. Uh, so it wasn't until I got to L.A. and I was just kind of on my own that I started Really, turning to songwriting. I didn't have a cool band. I didn't. Ha- I didn't play guitar like you know, like some guitar goddess. So I just started like kind of playing what I knew and putting my feelings, you know, my yeah. isolation, yeah. my loneliness, my sense of betrayal. Uh, when I went to Austin when I was nineteen to visit my mom, and I had this fun like weekend, and I wrote "Vacation" based yeah. on that, and it 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 was a turning point. It became when I incorporated songwriting into just being how I uh, externalized what was going on internally, it gave me a way to process. And and I like that that was where I came from as a writer, because it's really, it's really made me use songwriting as a way of coming from a reality place, not like Hmm, I'm going to sit down with all these other professional songwriters and write something that hopefully we can sell yeah. to the singer. And right. so, I wish I was like that because that's a that's a very lucrative way to to have a job. I, but it's just not been how I incorporated songwriting into my life. It's been more about tapping into feelings.
0: Yeah, and 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 it was int- it's interesting to see sort of your songwriting role within the Go Go's grow. I mean, on 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 the first record, um, at least listed in the writing credits, you're only credited on one song. Um, but then as the albums grew, or, or as you sort of moved on, you, you were credited on more and more and more songs. And, and and it was interesting to hear that when you first joined, one of the conditions is you said, "I want to be a songwriter." Um, so how did getting to play with your new bandmates shape your songwriting? I mean, obviously, you know since you brought up Vacation, the the original version is different from the one that's on the album. Uh, so I, I guess just, you know, could you expand on on the role that your bandmates played in, in shaping your songwriting?
1: Yeah, I mean, they they had been together, the Go-Go's had been together for two years. You know, they had started and then Gina joined a year before I did. Um, so they had been honing, you know and the, the main writers had been charlotte Caffey and jane weedlin and when i joined in that time frame before i joined they had written a, a, a just a fantastic collection of songs this is what made me fall in love with the band and right. want to be in the band was their songs that they had written and belinda had had a little bit of input and gina had a huge impact because you know she she pulled these songs together and she gave them some weight and she put Hooks in them. I mean, we got the beat. The first thing you hear is yeah. this doo- backyard, totally, water, and you know what song that is. Yeah, so, yeah. they even if two people wrote a song to me, it was the whole band that was making right. this fantastic uh, collection of songs. So, I wanted to, you know, I, I said I don't want to be in a band where it's just, you know, where I'm not a contributing writer, but I didn't expect. To go in and make our first album and have it be a bunch right. of my songs you right. know right. they, they had we well, they already had some good songs i was thrilled when one of my songs did get did get on, on the album right. and that was all due to charlotte and the the producer richard said I, we need one more song and i'm not keen on any of the ones we're not using from your Mm -hmm. set that you have. And, you know, do you guys have anything else? Or I have a cover song. And we were like, no, 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 we don't want to do any cover songs. We want only our songs. And I was thrilled when my song got on there because it, it kind of made me feel more like I wasn't just the last person skirting in at the last minute, you know, getting in on something. And, but at the same time, you know, the songs, our lips are sealed and this town and how much more. And The songs were so good that I was really insecure. I mean, I'd only been writing songs for a couple of years and I was very insecure. And Mm -hmm. it took a long time before, you know, I I accepted that my song had just as much right to be on that album as anybody else's and that fans loved it just as much. So I was insecure, but also... It made me such a better writer. And I think totally. it was hard for Jane and Charlotte, too. I mean, when your first album has your first songs, I mean, one of Jane, the first song Jane wrote by herself was Our Lips Are Sealed. I mean, I think the pressure on yourself, the pressure on your band, the pressure on the other writers to just try to measure up totally. to, to this kind of quality is it's it's difficult. And they made me much better, a much better songwriter. You right. know, I. I. I mean, just the hooks and lyrically. Uh, I I look back at my songs that I contributed to the band, and I've I've actually gone back and I've made better lyrics. To, not better, but I've added to "Can't Stop the World." I've because I'm a better lyricist now. I'm I'm I have I just have more tools at my disposal. I'm totally. more. I've gotten better, so.
0: So uh, something that I want to sort of get into now, I mean, throughout the book, it's very, very clear that this this concept of family is so important and it comes across in sort of different ways. I mean, like, you know, you, you talk about your parents' wedding photo album, you talk about sort of th- these, like these idealized elements of sort of, I guess, what we would call like the nuclear family, things like that. Um, and it seems to me, and and I've heard you say this in interviews, you, you found that family in your band, and you lost that family when when the band broke up. How did you how did you deal with that? I mean, you know, and, and how was your perception of them as your family? How did that impact the way you took that uh, that ultimate breakup? Um,
1: well, I it was everything to me. Not only did it feel like my family, but it was my security. It was how I was going to earn a living. It was the culmination of my dreams. You know, it was all I ever wanted in every sense of the, of the phrase. And I, I was, I was in a tailspin. I was devastated. Um, You know, by then my way of coping with anything was well established. You know, I, Mm. I, from the minute I started drinking, that was how I kind of kept down all the the sadness that I had in me. So the the sadness and devastation of losing the band, I coped with it uh, with my my mechanisms, my tools that I had, which was bravado, like ah, I'll show them, yeah. and uh, you know, drinking, and you know, partying, and I, you know, I. I was fun, you know. I knew how to have a good time, so I just tried to good time my way out of it, and instead, I kind of good timed my way to the bottom.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's funny. Like, just I I remember a band a band that I was in breaking up, or, or me getting booted, and it felt the same way. Like, it really like you know you you've invested so much of your life in this thing, and 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 it's such a source of just personal security. I mean, if you're if you're if you're an insecure person, growing up and everything, it just it, it becomes that, and and losing that is just all the more devastating. So that that bit of the you know of your story really really resonates with me. But the breakup didn't last forever. I mean, you 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 know you you guys came back into each other's lives and have sort of come in and out of each other's lives as the Go Go's since then. Um, and I guess to sort of wrap things up, you you've put out a new song club zero. And, you know, a lot of the time I find, and I'm not trying to pump your tires too much, but a lot of the time I find when bands from a different era sort of get back together and put out the single, it just sounds, it's, it sounds very dated. Um, And I find that to not be the case at all with club zero. It it, it sounds, it sounds like the go-go's, but it still sounds so exciting and, and, and relevant. So I guess I'm I'm just interested in exploring what that was like coming back to the Go-Go's at, not just for a tour or for some gigs but you know all these years down the line to put out a song. What was that like?
1: Yeah, I think um and I think it's true. I think it sounds really fresh uh but I've I've loved all the songs we've done over the years that weren't out of our heyday. Uh, we did a God Bless the Go-Go's in 2000. Right. And- uh I love that album I think it's got yeah. fantastic songs on it and we did a retrospective and added three songs the whole world lost its head and um uh which was our biggest charting so- single in England I loved the songs that we've done outside of that 80s heyday right. um but um you know sometimes you just have your it's it's your time or it's not you know um, yeah. and as an artist you kind of learn that you have to I I've had to learn that just being proud of something myself is enough. Like yeah. I've done tons of things that I'm so proud of that yeah. I think are just that should have an audience and that should be acknowledged and recognized, but haven't been and probably won't ever be. And right. I, you get to a point where that has all you have to do is like make sure that you feel proud. And, and I'm, yeah, I'm really glad I've gotten to that point, but club zero was difficult because Normally we, we, you write, we write together and I've written with these people for a long time and we are very, uh, it's easy. I mean, we, we know that we respect each other as writers and I can sit down in a room and no, I don't like that you know right. and it's easy you're just like no i don't like that and the person will be like okay or somebody can say to me you know no that you know it doesn't it's too much or it's the, the, the. and i'm like oh i'm not like oh god right i suck you know i we're all confident so we can just sit down but when you do that via email it's very different when it's just going like this in a room so it was really hard because we did everything you know via sending ideas back and forth on email it was real I'm amazed we got it done right you know I I don't I can't even imagine having to write a whole record that way (laughs) it was hard it was really hard and other songs were submitted that I think were were good too but it's like it's just so difficult to work together
0: yeah yeah I mean and 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 especially you know it, it with that. If, if you've developed this level of sort of comfortability over time, like the ability to sort of convey tone in email is just a nightmare. So oh, like yeah. just, like so much sure. subtlety goes across that way.
1: Oh yeah. Even in text. I mean, God, it's just like, I don't know how many fights I've gotten in with people because the text didn't come out the right way or something.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. So with that, we, we're we going to wrap things up, but I want to, I want to just kind of give you a chance to sort of plug, plug the book. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not one to sort of get lost in a book. I haven't been for quite some time, but I've really, really found myself getting lost in this and really, really enjoying it. So that's my endorsement. But, uh, but what can you, what can you tell the people about, uh, about your book?
1: Well, I, that was important to me. I wanted it to be a page turner. I wanted it to be, have a fast pace. A lot of it's because my focus is very small myself. So I try to, if, if I'm a certain way, I, I, it, it affects what I create. So uh, I have so many books that I'll read. And as soon as I get bored, I put it down and that's it. So yeah. I really aimed for it, not being boring uh, and having a pace at the same time, not being afraid of going deep. Yeah. So I, um, I guess what I would say is you don't have to be a go go's fan. You don't have to be a go it's it's so human, it's so um, it's so raw and, and, and able to connect and resonate just being a human being. Yeah. Uh, I think that I think that's important for people to know, like like, oh I'm not interested in hers, you know, I, I didn't care for the go I don't think that should be a, a criteria, whether right. you're a fan or not. But I think that um, it's it's a it's a good read. It's a story that a lot of people can relate to. And uh, I also want to just plug that I did a soundtrack to the book, which is something I'm really proud of. And I think yeah. it was a really interesting, innovative, smart idea that I like to point out because it gets a little overlooked because most people just think you just want to talk about your book. But I did the soundtrack yeah. to kind yeah. of help draw people into the story and to to use... The intersecting of storytelling using everything available to me, which for me is songs and writing music and lyrics and now a book, like putting that all together was really fun and yeah. the most creative, interesting thing I've done as a musician. You can get the audiobook, It comes with the soundtrack. Right. It's integrated into the audiobook, or you can buy it separately. And there's a lot of talk about music in the book. A lot of people have told me that they'll stop reading because I mention – you know, like I'll, I'll mention a song and they'll like, and I actually made playlists of all the music that affected me. And I, I played that while I was writing. Yeah. So I keep meaning to do that. Check my Spotify. Cause I keep meaning to make playlists of all the music that, that I wrote about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so funny cause that, that's like exactly what I was doing. Um, you know, and, and I, and I was list, I would listen to your record in the background while reading it and then I would have to like, you know, pause and then like, you know, throw something up on my phone, uh, just to kind of, you know, get So a many sense. people
1: did that and they said they loved reading the book and that way and how it connected them to songs that they, oh I haven't thought of that song in a long time or whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So exactly
1: thank you for, for saying that too.
0: Thanks very much to Kathy Valentine for joining us this week. As always, you can find full versions of this show wherever you get your podcasts. Just look up Having a Chat. The show is produced by myself and Hillary Johnston, and all social media and marketing materials are done by Pedro Walker, so don't forget to check us out on social media. And an extra special thank you for this week's episode to Kylie Miller and Deanna Petkoff for their contributions uh, with questions and ideas for uh, me and Kathy to talk about. And also an extra special thank you to Eric Alper for setting this up.